So, I'm curious. Did that stimulus money hit your account yet? Are you going crazy right now because that money is burning a hole in your pocket? You want to head over to the bow shop and pick up that that brand spanking new bow that you've been eyeballing for the last couple of months? Or maybe you need a couple of uh, some arrows, a fresh dozen. Or maybe those broadheads, extra sharp, you know what I'm saying, that you can use for this spring turkey hunt. What is it? What is it that you plan on spending that money on? All right? Let me know. Before we get started, as always, want to shout out some great companies that uh, I'm lucky to to work with. First up, Nor'easter Game Calls. Get them in close with a custom game call from uh, Mark over there. Um, I was lucky enough to collaborate with Mark on some box calls and pot calls. Um, the pot calls are my favorite right now. I'm waiting for mine to come in. They've got mine and Mark's logo on them. Um, they've got my signature colors, my, my, uh, my logo colors, red, white, and black on them. Um, not on them, but they're made out of those colors. They are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, check them out on Instagram at Nor'easter Game Calls or visit the website www.northeasterngamecalls.com and pick one up today because those Urban Archery NYC box calls and pot calls are a limited run. Um, just so you know, honestly, to keep it 100 with y'all, I'm not making any money off of this. Um, I just thought it'd be dope to see my logo on a piece of hunting equipment, albeit a small piece of hunting equipment. And it's an opportunity for me and you to help support a small business. All right. Check them out. That's Nor'easter Game Calls. Next up, uh, Onyx Hunt App. All right. It's the number one GPS hunting app for a reason. So many features are uh, the one that I utilize the most only because I act like a big old baby when I'm walking in the dark, uh, heading out to my spot in the woods. And that's the tracking feature. Um, so uh, before your hunt, when you're scouting, when you're trying to plan a way in and out of the woods, you can literally track your footsteps in and out of the woods and uh, save it. So that way, when you're in the woods at zero dark 30, uh, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, struggle looking around in the dark, trying to figure out where you were walking before you can literally retrace your footsteps. So check them out. That's the Onyx hunt app. It's available for all mobile, all mobile devices on Android, on iOS, and you can uh, check them out on the internet at www.onyxmaps.com. And last but not least, Afflictor Broadheads. Suckers are sharp, all right? One of the toughest broadheads on the planet. Um, I had success with them when I harvested my first turkey last year. Um, I didn't get a shot off. Oh, actually, no, I'm lying. Then uh, I got my first turkey last year. Then during the deer hunting season, I shot at a deer, missed, and planted my arrow in a tree, all right? I was able to pull the arrow out of said tree, and while the arrow was screwed right the broadhead was unscathed and i'm actually going to use it again uh for this uh upcoming spring turkey season here in new york so check them out that is www.afflictorbroadheads.com tell them cliff sent you
What up, what up, what up? Welcome to episode 53 of When the Hunt Calls, the only hunting podcast hosted by a middle-aged black guy from New York City. And I am said guy, your host, Cliff Cadet. How's everybody doing today? All right. If you are one of the lucky millions of Americans, I know you are kind of happy today because uh, maybe, just maybe, that stimulus check hit your bank account. All right. I hope you put it to good use. You know, maybe maybe pull the trigger on buying that bowl that you've been eyeballing at the shop the last couple of months. Maybe buy a, a fresh dozen, uh, uh, what do you call it, box of arrows, uh, whatever else. Maybe put it towards that hunting trip you've been trying to plan. But whatever it is, be smart, have fun with it. All right. Now, my guest for today is Sean Lundy of Drury Outdoors. Now, Sean is a brother that I've been following on Instagram for a couple of months now. Been vibing with this dude's content um, for a little bit. Really like it. Um, has I, I definitely recommend you you check him out on Instagram. Um, now, I'm I'm somewhat familiar with Drury Outdoors. Like I see the brand all over the place on social, uh, social media. I know the name Drury is big within the um, the hunting community, the hunting industry. Um, for what I understand, the Drury's are OGs within the, the hunting industry. Um, but I'm still uh, not that familiar with them. So I wanted to get Sean on the show, on the podcast, to kind of speak and speak to him, learn more about him, uh, learn more about a little bit more about Drury Outdoors, what they're about. You know, I'm talking about the brand and whatnot. Um and I got to tell you, um, what do you call it? Prior to this interview, I had no clue that uh, Sean was actually from New York. From New York, He's actually from Long Island. Um, so he is a fellow New Yorker. And that probably explains why I was really uh, uh, digging his content and whatnot on social media. Why, uh, you know, say we were able to kind of click uh, during the interview and whatnot. And... Uh, to give you fair warning, I want to keep it 100 with you guys. Um, towards the end of the interview, the signal got a kind of little bit uh, got a little bit wonky. So it might be a little bit difficult to understand um, Sean or maybe even understand myself. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, I had difficulty um, hearing him. But uh, we did our best. We powered through the interview. Um, and uh, I really hope you guys enjoy it. So uh, without further ado, my guest today, Sean Lundy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to have on the line with me Sean Lundy. This is a brother that um, I've been a fan of his Instagram content for a couple of months now. Um, and I don't know why, but I'm just now learning that the brother is actually from New York. So, Sean, welcome, 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 man. Thank you for taking the time out to speak to me today. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited to do it. Man, so... Um, let's jump right into this, bro. So I, I came across your, your Instagram content. Um, I'm a huge fan, um, but I'm excited to find out. I, and I guess like, like we were just kind of saying a little conversation before we started recording. Um, I'm excited to find out that you're originally from New York. So where in New York are you from and how'd you end up venturing out into the world from, you know, from here? Yeah. Um, I was born and raised, uh, right there on Long Island, Suffolk County. Um, my mom and dad, uh, I got one brother that moved out of state, but I got another brother out there, a sister. They still live right out there in Suffolk County. But, you know, growing up, as you know, like in being in New York, traditionally, 
the the hunting for the most part is not right out your back door mm-hmm. so you, you and if you are hunting on the island or on the outskirts of the city you're getting into them urban areas a little more congested so just growing up i went to um sachem high school i've always had a dream to just pursue the outdoors so wow. as, I, as i got older you know it was in you know in high school i thought you know i'm I'm either going to go two ways, you know, I'm going to either go to college and waste a lot of money or I'm just going to go into the military. So I, mm-hmm. I went ahead and, uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps my senior year and then, uh, still doing a lot of hunting. You know, when I lived on Long Island, we would either go out on the Island and do some bow hunting or we go up to the Catskills and Adirondacks and hunt up there. But wow. when I left right before I was 18 years old, next thing you know, I was stationed down in Paris Island where I, uh, well, not stations where I went to boot camp down there for the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And I went out, I met a lot of other guys around the United States that were in the Marines with me that were in the hunting. But these were Midwestern boys, as we'd call them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And if you ever get the opportunity, I mean, the deer hunting in the Midwest, I just fell in love. So when I got out of the Marines after that, I decided, you know, I'm going to stay out in the Midwest. I, mean, I still have my connections in New York, but... I actually moved on and got involved in law enforcement. So from there, still being very, you know, just head over heels over the whole hunting and the outdoors and everything, I started filming a few of my hunts. Um, that's how, which I'm sure you guys will learn later, is how I got tied up with a uh, jury outdoors, which is um, probably they're at this time. I'm, you know, very blessed to say they're one of the powerhouses in the industry. You know, you've got jury outdoors, you've got um, uh, Michael Waddell with the bone collectors, the crush. I mean, these are some big, big names in the hunting world. So I, I started filming some hunts and talking to some of the guys on juries. And here I am, I was 18 when I moved out. I'm 42 now. So here I am blessed enough to be filming hunts for the outdoor channel and the sportsman's channel. So. Dang, that's, that's a huge, huge, like, I don't, I don't just, that's, it's, if I could walk a mile in your shoes, bro, I the stories I'd be able to tell. But um, I like I got I gotta tell you, I'm I'm a former Marine myself. I did the same oh, thing. Semper oh, Fi, bro. <laughs> Semper Fi. Oh, so like out of high school, I was doing nothing, brother. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I didn't go into college or anything like that. I was on I was on one of those kicks where I'm gonna take the year off after high school, yeah. and I literally did nothing. And I was like. I remember going into the recruiter's office and I was like, dude, I was like, get me on the, the, you know, the sooner, the better, basically get me on the earliest bus possible to Paris Island. Otherwise I'm going to change my mind. And literally, I want to say, I think, um, I went to MEPS maybe in like July of 95. I graduated high school in 94, July of 95, went, did all my paperwork, went to MEPS and everything like that. And then shipped out, um, within a, it was end of July and then shipped out maybe second or third week of August. Yeah, you didn't waste no. Nope. <laughs> nah, not because I knew I knew I was the type of guy like if I sat around too much thinking about it, I would have tried to renege on it. But uh yeah. I you know, I ended up going and and you know, that's that an experience in itself, you know, saying Paris Island just like yourself. Um, can I ask what was your MOS? I, I was uh oh three, but then I went in for a secondary with security forces. Nice, nice. So, I was a field radio operator myself. Yeah, and, and, the, and the military is kind of where I met some of these, you know, some of the other guys, there, other Marines that, you know, right now I currently live in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I met some guys from Indiana, Oklahoma, Montana, and 
you know, during your enlistment, I only just did one enlistment. That was it. You know, on the weekends, you if you had a, a long 96, you know, we'd rent a U-Haul mm-hmm. back as many Marines in the back as possible. And if we weren't driving to Long Island to see my family, we were heading two, three states away, you know, just to hang out, just to get off base for the weekend. And it just blew mm-hmm. my mind when my buddies are like, you know, hey, this is where I hunt. It's and we're talking out the back door of their house, you know, or down at their grandpa's farm. And I thought, you know, this is where <laughs> this is where I need to you know, lay my feet and, and put some roots in the ground somewhere out here. So that's one of the main reasons why when I came to Indiana, a good friend of mine still lives in the town I live in now. I, I met him back in 97 when I was in the Marines for about a year. So, wow. So what was, what's the trans, what was the transition like for you? I mean, being like for all intents and purposes, for all intents and purposes, you're a city kid and now yeah. you're out in Indiana it was like, was it a huge shock for you or did, you know, all the, all the traveling and the, you know, relationships you built while in the Marine Corps prepare you for being able to make that transition? You know, it, sometimes it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just, you, you know, certain people different, but like my whole family, they still hunt, but they're kind of the, the opening weekend guy. They go out and, and that's it. Or, or if they duck hunt or, or get into the upland birds, it's, one weekend every few years and me even growing up in new york you know i remember we would all go down to the long island sound to just shoot a bunch of buffle head and some sea ducks and it'd be it'd be 10 11 o'clock in the morning my dad said hey we're getting cold we're gonna we're gonna leave and i would beg and finally my dad would let me he'd let me stay out there by myself with our dog and the canoe because my brothers were getting cold you know i just I just, I don't know. There was just something in me. I don't know if it's because my father took me at such a young age that Mm -hmm. I just kind of got a hook on it. Now, moving out to the Midwest, it was, I mean, this is the funny part. I mean, it's my buddies that I knew from the Midwest. You take them to New York City and they'd be walking, you know, hip to hip, nervous to walk down the streets, you know. (laughs) And then, then, you know, we get, and I'll never forget, this was just outside uh, of um, Brantwood. We, I took some buddies out to the island. This is 20-something years ago. Some of these country folks, you know, and they're some of the toughest guys I know. And there was this big Italian festival. And we're walking down the street. And sure enough, there's a drive-by shooting. You know, and, and for oh, us, wow. like, you know, some of us were nervous. But, like, these country folks, they didn't know what to do. But, but you know, to me, I'm like, well, this happens from time to time. But, you know, you, you fast forward. Now I go out to the country. And we're walking into the tree stands in the morning. And I've got the biggest D-cell flashlight they got lighting up the entire woods like the grand opening for Walmart because it's like, man, it's dark out. You know, there's things out here that can eat you, you know? So, Dude, you, I, don't mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's been, that's probably the biggest struggle for me is walking out in those woods, zero dark 30 by myself. It's gotten to the point, Sean, you know what I got to do? I put one earbud into my ear and put music on really low to kind of distract me while I'm walking in into the woods by myself. It's, it's funny, so though, crazy. People think I'm crazy out here. And it's like, you know, you know, I'm like, oh man, you can grow up and you can go home and, you know, not be there for a while and just walk down the streets in New York and, and feel safe. Well, that's my home. You know what I'm saying? I'll always will be. But then, you know, those guys, they, it's like, Hey, you want to go to the city tonight? Let's go to Manhattan. Let's go do something. These buddies, they just want to sit at my parents' house on Long Island. They don't, they don't want to go, you know. But then I come out to the <laughs> woods, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go up, check some traps, or do whatever, or do some coon hunting or something in the evening." And it's like, well, "How many lights do you?" And I mean, they, 
you know, if their flashlight goes, I mean, I'm getting better now. Luckily, being with juries, I've had the opportunity to hunt everywhere. I mean, from New Mexico to the northern states to the most southern states. And but that would be the biggest transition is, yeah, when I was back in New York, I hate to say, you know, people like, well, you hunt like a New Yorker. Yeah, I do, you know, and <laughs> but, you know, you look at a lot of your hardworking people from New York and and the, you know, even Jersey or the East Coast area, they they are hard, hard hunters, you know, and it even comes to our standards. You know, when I moved out here and I think this is what helped my following grow, you know, back in New York, you you'd go up to the Catskill Mountains. You literally sat on a rock and you found an area that you thought was a good transition area and you waited. Well, when you come to the Midwest, you know, these guys are hunting funnels and, and pinch points and, you know, different and food plots and, and ag fields. So I'm not going to say the hunting's easier, but mm -hmm. it's a little more easier to, you kind of figure out where the deer are coming from. Here's a bedding area. Here's this. So when I came here in the beginning, I was very, very successful because of the hard hunting in New York, but. To me, you know, when you're in New York, you go out, you try to harvest a, a respectful buck and, you know, and go ahead and fill the coolers with venison as far as harvest some does. Well, mm -hmm. you come out to the Midwest and, you know, I, I'm doing that in a weekend, you know, and it's like, we're done, you know, and it's, wow. but, and I guess that's how my hunting, it, little by little, my standards started to change, you know, where I really learned about hunting and hard hunting because it is hard and i don't think people give the east coast people enough credit for how hard they hunt or even the people on the east coast that get the opportunity to travel you're traveling to a place that you don't know so when i came out west being originally a hunter from the east coast learning those fundamentals on how to hunt hard terrain place that's not as a i guess target rich environment i did mm -hmm. a lot better so my hunting started in New York, but definitely my change for trying to manage wildlife or actually learn the whitetail deer itself, it, it definitely went to a new level when I moved out west. That's really dope because um, that is a great transition to what I was about to ask you in terms of, um, all right, so what I've been learning, because I've been hunting now probably a little under two years, um, and so what I'm noticing here in New York is um, there's an argument between hunters in terms of trying to, um, what's the word, uh, I guess, breed or maybe create um, some quality deer. I, I refer to it as quality deer management, you know what I'm saying, talking about letting um, certain bucks walk to give them another year or two to get bigger. But then you've got other hunters who, who just want to be able to fill their tags. You know what I'm saying? Punch their tags and whatnot. Yeah. And so that's a, a huge, you know, battle going on over here. Did you find that, like, uh, hunting out east, You did you transition from, you know, wanting to fill the freezer to now heading to the Midwest, not only wanting to fill the freezer, but then now being able to have, um, what's the word, target bucks. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Nice-sized bucks, big bucks that are, you know, really mature. Um, did you, was that an easy transition there? Like, or was there, uh, like a really hard learning curve? It kind of a little bit, but I mean, overall, I would say it was an easy transition only because, and, and I'll use like quick numbers here, mm -hmm. you know, when a lot of people will discredit 120, 130 inch deer, 
especially with Archie tackle. That is a phenomenal deer. You know, we all want to put 150, 160 inch deer plus on the wall. But when I came out West to me, you know, I would go ahead and harvest a two year old, three year old buck. And that's not something I was used to seeing in New York, you know, as far as the, just the food they have out there and everything else. So when people out here were like, Hey, you know, here I am with a smile from ear to ear, man, I can't believe, you know, wait till I show the people back home, you know, this is great. They're like, Hey, you know, that's just what they would call a mediocre deer. So Mm. it being a very target rich environment out here, it wasn't hard for me to transition over to that because of the fact that I know what it was like to not have that and to come out to a place where I am going to have many, many, many more opportunities. It's, I had the opportunity now going, being from the East coast and stuff, Long Island and certain parts of the Adirondacks are really starting because of the management are starting to really grow some very well, decent deer. Yeah. Especially Suffolk, man. Like I've seen some, huh? Some shooters on, I mean, I know social media, but this yep. past season, I've seen some shooters on uh, on social media, talk to some people and, you know, uh, trust me, like I, I have a, a hunger for hunting out East this, uh, this coming season. You know, and don't, don't let that the whole management thing get to you. And hopefully some of the people that are listening here aren't thinking it in a negative way, but mm-hmm. okay, we're all hunters. And because of us, what we pay, our hunting licenses are when we join these programs, these, you know, the, um, uh, a white tails unlimited, whether it's, um, the NWTF or Turkey, whatever the case may be, this is hunters doing that. And that money is all going back to conservation and for management so that our kids, kids can, can enjoy the same thing we're enjoying. Now, remember I said, that's hunters that's doing that. So Mm. we need to encourage more hunters, more new hunters. If we get to the point where we're getting people that have only hunted, you know, five, six years or less, and we start telling them that we need to start putting restrictions on them. Like anything else, you're going to hunt two, three years, not harvest the buck because you're worried about what your friend's saying you should harvest. You know, you're, you're not going to like hunting. Eventually you're going to get out of it. You know, we, we, the, the best thing to do, like it's even when you, when you take a kid fishing, I like to take them to a farm pond where they can go ahead and catch 50, 60 brim or some bluegill and get hooked on it before you start taking them out and actually start targeting games type fish because you want the kid to get hooked on fishing. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with hunting. If you're out there, you, you, you have your, your different experiences. You know, when you first start, it's fill the tags, you know, I, are you going to be able to fill your buck tag this year? And, you know, and, and when you do, you do, and then you do that for a few years and then it gets to the point where, okay, you, you're starting to maybe manage deer, like you said, and naturally if you're on a friend's property or something i mean you're going to respect them and and harvest what they're telling you you know whatever their management plan is on that property but you know if if you to me personally if i'm taking a new person hunting whether it's a child or whether it's a 70 year old person that's never hunted before and i take them out with me and i say you know i almost feel bad when some of the first questions people ask me is well hey if i'm coming out here what am i allowed to shoot what you know like what kind of buck can i I don't put a restriction on them because you put a smile on their face. You just created a lifelong hunter right there. They're going to do it. If they go out with you and they see all these deer and they're not allowed to harvest one, they're not allowed to feel what it's like to, to, 
take an animal's life and, and then field dress it and be involved in the process, whatever the case may be, you, you know, it, it's like, it's like go, go, going to a go-kart track, but you're not allowed to get on a go-kart. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't, you can't ruin in the beginning. Now my son, granted, he's 12 years old. He's starting mm-hmm. to be very well known for hunting. He's been on multiple, um, shows on TV and stuff for hunting. He, I've always said this. I want to take him back to New York and I want to mm-hmm. go hunt back for a week with him on state ground, open to the public and let him see how dad grew up and let him see how blessed he is to be hunting <laughs> that he is now, you know, it's yeah, no, I, I totally understand, man, it's, it's, but creating more hunters, I think in my mind is more important in the beginning than worrying about management. We have to get new hunters because if we all love this sport, the next best thing to do is make the, keep the deer hunting really good. And that comes with management. But no. if we don't have anybody left, that's not good. No, I, I agree. And, and I was fortunate enough um, to like my fir- very first season in 2019 was a huge, de- it was a huge learning experience for me, but a, a big debacle because I was out on my own. But last year, I mean, I've yet to shoot, to be honest with you, I've yet to shoot a deer, you know, to kill a deer myself. Uh-huh. But I was fortunate enough to, to have somebody take me under their, uh, yeah, take me under their wing and mentor me. And, um, and I was the guy who asked that question, like, Hey, what can I shoot? And he was like, listen, with this deer management program, dude, he was like, if it's Brown, it's down. You know what I'm saying? So that, that felt, that felt good. You know what I'm saying? Knowing as long as, as long as it was legal for me to shoot it, I, I I was allowed to shoot it. So I, I totally understand because I guess, uh, in the years down the line, I want to be able to, you know, to offer that to somebody else as well. Absolutely. And you could just tell, like, I've had younger people and you know, I've had people even my age. Hey, listen, I'm just getting into hunting. Do you mind if I go out with you and I'll take him out my place? And, you know, the places I hunt here in Indiana, I mean, they're, they're not known for having big, big deer, but the area itself is, you know, so the opportunity is there. But, you know, it's there's plenty of does to harvest, um, plenty of younger bucks that you'll see from time to time. To time. But when I bring people out with me and I say, Hey, you know, what, what can I shoot tonight? And, and I'll actually tell them that, you know, do you, I mean, you can shoot a buck. Do you want to shoot a doe? And they're like, well, yeah, but like, are you cool with that? When I tell them, absolutely, let's go out and have a good time. You can see a deep relief instantly on them. And just the excitement go through the roof because now they're, they're part of the hunt. You know, if something comes out, they're going to have the opportunity. It's not, seeing something come through the thicket and they're looking hard, looking hard to see that this is something we could shoot. You know, if we mm-hmm. got some deer moving through the thicket coming out to a food plot or something, we have the anticipations through the roof because, you know, there's a good chance we're going to be harvesting a deer today. But when you tell somebody, Hey, we're looking for this, deer, it almost, it almost starts to become boring for them. You know, mm-hmm. you, we're, com- we're very competitive. That just, that's what we are. I mean, humans by nature are competitive we will grow at our own pace and some people don't and that doesn't make it right or wrong. I mean, that's just what they are. There's a lot of people that are big meat eaters. Me and my wife, we have five kids. So we are huge meat eaters. We eat a lot of venison. So we harvest a lot of does and stuff. But for me being able to hunt so many different places now, there's a lot of times where, you know, I do kick the management, 
you know, aspect into it and try to, you know, wait for maturity or this or that. But I'm also the same person that when I get to a certain place, whether it's a friend of mine, that's an outfitter or going to a place that I have leased in a different state, you know, if the restrictions are low in there, you'll see the excitement on me get higher too. you know, (laughs) 130, 135 inch deer will come out and, you know, I'm getting ready to let it fly. It's kind of a a funny story and it'll hopefully they, they put it out the way that we, we laid it down, but, uh, Nebraska last year, um, and this will be on this year's critical mass show on the outdoor channel. There's several good bucks coming through a kind of a bedding area, CRP grown up grass, and they're, they're coming down into a pond. And the first deer that's coming through is a probably 140, 145 inch 10 point, beautiful deer, young, but it's 145 inch deer, gorgeous deer. And there's another deer that's behind it. That's much older, you know, didn't score as much, but it's a, you know, it's a beautiful eight point, a lot of mass. And I'm not somebody about to score, but I mean, that 10 point, he, he just dwarfed this eight pointer. So wow. Mike, and he's like, but it's his ground that I'm leasing it with. He's like, what deer are you going to harvest? I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to shoot the first deer of the 10. And you can actually hear him on camera. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, he's like, no, that deer's a three-year-old. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to shoot him. He's like, no, you're not. You know? <laughs> but you know, that's when the New York comes out and me and it's like, man, we're going to let it fly. You know, you're like, you can't mm-hmm. shoot that deer, but that farm, I don't mind as much because i see what it does produce mm-hmm. so it's always a good time to get out there anyway deer camp's the best they're just hard to beat i hear you i hear you you know what um let's transition real quick and um i want to ask what are your plans for the spring turkey season spring turkey um we're gonna start off uh at our little cabin we got down in southern illinois it's about five six mm-hmm. hours from our house um we're gonna go down there for spring break um We'll have the kids down there and we take care of the kids, the dogs, and we spend the whole week down there, but we've got a couple turkey tags for the property. So hopefully we can punch one or two down there. And then from there, I'll come back up to our hometown in Indiana. And then the youth season comes in for the kids, which is always fun. And when we hunt in Indiana, like I said, we've got a lot of kids in our family and they're all into deer hunting here or there, but turkey hunting it's it went to a new level so like usually it's getting the kids filled and then it's like okay and if i can't get them all filled during the youth season which is only a weekend then the regular season comes in which is just a couple weeks so i'm trying to get the kids filled i'm trying to get the wife her tag filled and last year (laughs) never harvested a deer in the state of indiana because it came down to the last day where my wife got her bird her first bird ever so but after that you know we'll we'll kick it in Indiana. And then, um, I will, uh, venture, venture up into, a um, Michigan, which is where I live in Indiana. I'm literally one County from Michigan, one County from Ohio, two great hunting States. Mm-hmm. So I'll go up there. And then in May, I'm going to, um, be heading out to Kansas with a friend of mine out there to, uh, with the bow and try to bow hunt a Turkey out there. So. Got it. Got it. So you know what? Two, two questions. Did you do a lot of turkey hunting out here in um, New York or just anywhere out east? Um, and if yes, how's it compared to the turkey hunting you do um, in the other states? Okay, growing up, I did not hunt much as far as the turkeys go. And I guess if you go back, you know, when I was really started getting into hunting when I was a teenager, but we would see a lot of turkey out 
some of them on Long Island, but most of them in the Catskills and stuff. And to us, it was like, you know, it was, it was just something new to us. We'd never, we, I shouldn't say we never did. We did try it several times up there. I mean, I still got the big hard shell plastic decoys that are actually lawn, you know, ornaments now for the wife. And it's funny to look <laughs> at it. It's amazing what the decoys have nowadays, you know, but we, didn't really hunt much turkeys. And then when I moved out west and started turkey hunting, and this is one thing that, okay, New York's known for Easterns. Yeah. The opportunity to hunt Rios, Octolas, Plangards. If you can kill an Eastern, and eventually, you guys know this, when you get up there, you find roost. If, as long as you put your time in, don't overcall, but then again, don't be scared to call. It's kind of a happy medium in there. Mm-hmm. You could take the right bird and you could you could throw the worst ball at them and they'll come running in on a string. But sometimes you can have the best turkey caller out there and they're just, they're, they're smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But this is for all the East Coast hunters out there. Hands down, I believe turkey is the subspecies. Like, hold on, hold on. And, hold, and on, hold on, I'm sorry. Hang on, hang on, hang on one second, because you you cut out for a yep. second there. So, uh, last part I heard was this is for all the turkey hunters out east. What's your tip? The the eastern turkey, in my opinion, is just subspecies to kill. It's it, it's there. You know, I've hunted easterns, and I've actually great turkey hunting girl. So I was able to harm a lot of them over the years. But, you know, you have the days where it's just you think you're doing everything wrong. And then, then you go out the next morning and, you know, everything just comes together. You know, you double up. Then when I hunted Florida and out west for different species, it got mm. much, much easier. Like, if you can get Easterns, well, he kind of sounds like it's, you know, you make a few Easterns and you try to go on kill a Rio or Miriam or Osceola, whatever the case may be. It's one of the most species to kill. Nice. Nice. Well, All right. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, I just want to say they're a very loud bird. I mean, we went to Florida last year to kill Osceola's and I was just waiting for that. Just hammering on the roost all the time. And the Osceola's but they're much, much, much easier to kill. Got it. Got it. All right. So to, to round this out um, a little bit, you mentioned um, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned Drury Outdoors. Um, now, I've, I'm familiar with the name, you know, and the brand a little bit, but I don't really know what it's about. Um, could you let, like, uh, educate me and my listeners a little bit about what Drury, Drury Outdoors is about? Mark and Terry Drury, they're brothers that, okay, here's a good thing for New York, too. They are brothers that started doing a lot of deer hunting and mostly turkey hunting almost 40 years ago. About 31, 32 years ago now, they started Drury out where it's basically, when they started, there really wasn't hunting shows on TV. It was just watching them making videos that you could buy at the local hunt stores. Um, I remember my actual VHSs on Long Island. There, they 
they too own TV now where it's they have several shows um Bowman's one of them 13 natural born it, it a team of probably about 20 or so pro staff but it all originally started 30 something years ago and Terry Drew, I was just talking to him a couple of years back. He started filming his hunts in the Catskill Mountains in New York on turkeys. And that's really where a lot of the, and they're, they're from Missouri, but you know, some of the, I, I mean, New York itself, especially the Catskills is really starting to be very, very well known, you know, as it was almost 30 years ago when we didn't know much about, hunting. you know, and it, at this time, you know, Drew Outdoors, it's still a family business. It's there's still a big powerhouse in the in the hunting industry now, but it it's also you know becoming a brand. You know, just kind of like Realtree or um, Mossy Oak, which actually is the camo sponsor of Jury Outdoors. Um, they're starting to you know be just more than just Jury Outdoors itself. They're being known for several shows. They're um, coming out with different types of uh, signature series calls or whatever the case may be. But it, it, it all started years and years ago with a big over-the-shoulder camera, two brothers living a dream, starting to film hunts, and now they're absolutely some of the leaders in the industry right now. Nice, nice. All right, brother, thank you. Thank you for, you know, taking the time out to to speak with me today i really appreciate it thank you for educating me you know a little bit on the drawries but most importantly uh thank you for being a fellow new yorker who is you know still putting us on the map and and representing us hard when it comes to the to the hunting industry uh, absolutely uh if you get us around indiana you can well send you so you'll have a good time. Oh, sorry about that. I totally, I don't know. The signal is getting a bit wonky, but I totally missed everything you just said. Uh, I, I was just somebody out in Indiana, and, uh, you know, it's during the deer season. Hit us up, and uh, we'll definitely send you home with some venison. You'll have a good uh, Dude, I, if, if I can ever make that happen, trust me, I'll be taking you up on that offer. Yes, you you will regret it. Phenomenal hunting out here. And you definitely will appreciate it like I do, you know, coming from, you know, hunting out on the East Coast where, you know, where you started at. So, Got it. Got it. So tell everybody before you go, where can we find uh, you on social media and and I guess the different shows or content that we can find from uh, Drury Outdoors? Yeah, um, you can find me on on social media it's going to be a uh, instagram at sean lundy underlying drury outdoors and then as far as on the uh sportsman's channel um we've got a few more hunts that will be on drury's natural born and then on the outdoor channel i'm one of the cast members on critical mass which basically took over dream season for drury outdoors a couple of years ago got it i'll definitely be uh throwing some links to all of that in the show notes for this episode so thank All you, right. brother. I appreciate Good. you, man. Absolutely. Stay in touch, man. Good luck this season. Thank you. You too. You got it. Bye-bye. All right. I got to thank Sean again for taking the time out to uh, sit and speak with me. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, hope you did too. Especially if you are a first-time listener, you know, I appreciate you taking the chance 
to taking the chance on this podcast and taking the time out to listen. If you enjoyed the interview, if you enjoyed uh, any other episode, please take a moment, whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, hook a brother up with a five-star review. If you are a returning listener, you are a faithful listener, a subscriber, I truly appreciate you. And you have if you haven't done so already, please do the same. Hook a brother up with a five-star uh, you know, rating. Um, or if you're feeling truly generous, go ahead and hook me up with a dope review. All right. Um, other than that, like I mentioned before, if you uh what do you call it? got that stimulus check, yo, hey, go ahead, have fun with it, go ahead, put it towards a hunt, put it towards some hunting equipment, what put it towards whatever your heart desires all right y'all okay everybody stay blessed and remember respect the journey even when it's not your own